Hello there, Normanites. I'm Zach Logsdon, and welcome to I Am Norman, a podcast about Norman, Oklahoma. As I record these words, we are in the midst of an international pandemic. Schools and businesses are closed, gatherings of more than a few people are restricted, and we're under a stay-at-home order, all aimed at curbing the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Inevitably, during times like this, many of us, including myself, feel helpless. Healthcare workers and law enforcement are on the front lines keeping us safe, and many people are risking their health by continuing to ensure that we have access to the essentials like food, gas, and medicine, while many of us sit at home wishing there were something we could do to help. Some people are sewing masks from their homes, some businesses have converted to manufacturing medical supplies or hand sanitizer. But me? Well, I work in marketing. I can create marketing campaigns, design logos or websites, I can produce videos. But in situations like this, I feel pretty helpless. So, I decided to start a podcast about our community and the people in it. This podcast is about them, their stories, their challenges, and what they're going through during this time. My hope is that while we're all social distancing and feeling so far apart, this podcast might help everyone feel a little bit more united and understand that we're not alone and we'll get through this together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I am Norman. Hello, Normanites, and welcome to another episode of the I Am Norman podcast. Thank you for joining me once again. Uh, quick request, if you don't mind, uh, if you if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe there. Follow us on Spotify, and do me a favor and share this on your social media platforms, trying to get the word out there best that we can. Very excited about our guest today, an old friend of mine, uh, somebody I respect a great deal, Autumn McMahon, the manager of marketing and member relations at the Oklahoma Electric Cooperative and president of the Mary Abbott Children's House Board of Directors. Autumn, thank you so much for being on the podcast this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Zach, and for your your kind words. I always like to be associated with you. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. Start, start by telling us a bit about uh, a bit about yourself, like how long have you lived in Norman, uh, your role with the OEC, talk about your family, Any anything that, uh, that that is Autumn McMahon, tell us about it. I love it. Well, I am a true Normanite, though I will forever claim that I'm a Colorado native because I was actually born in Breckenridge, Colorado, but my parents had the good taste to move us to Norman to be (laughs) close to family. All all of our family is in Oklahoma. So we moved here when I was a little bit less than two, (laughs) and I have grown up in Norman, both in the nonprofit sector. I'm a product of Norman Public Schools. Both my degrees are from OU and stayed in Norman until I graduated with my bachelor's degree from OU and decided I needed a, a little bit different change of scenery. Plus the skiing in Oklahoma is terrible. <laughs> That's true. So I, I uh, moved to Colorado for a bit where I met my husband, Corey, and told him on our second date that I would raise my family in Oklahoma. So if that was a deal breaker, <laughs> that he should move on down the line. Uh, and he stuck around, shockingly. A boy from a, a snowboarder from Iowa stuck around, wow. and uh, then we moved back here. Well, it's been about been about a decade ago, and I have loved being back in the Norman community. So I 
have two kiddos, a five and a half year old named Rose and a 13 month old uh, named Brink who keep us on our toes. And, and I work with Oklahoma Electric Cooperative and have been there for about four and a half years, if you can believe it. So time flies when you're wow. having fun. Sure does. So what was it about Norman that that made you that, that made you know that it was a place you wanted to raise your your family. I mean, that's the, on second date. It, that's bold to throw that out there. Uh, you know, if you want to stick around with me, you got to be willing to move to Norman, Oklahoma. What what did you love about Norman that made it the place you had to come back to? Yeah, well, you know, you can never accuse me of of uh, not being transparent, right? Like, I really <laughs> firmly believe both in our marketing and apparently in my personal life, and really. Uh, tipping tipping my hand. So Norman, we, we currently live three doors down from my parents, which is absolutely incredible. I love that I can go to the grocery store and see people I know. I love that in Norman, I am part of something that's so much bigger than me. Not only do you know me, but you might know my husband and my parents and the hope is someday when my kiddos are earlier or older, that you will know that they are mine. (laughs) So that they feel the need to be responsible. There is a magic about Norman, I think, especially because we're so close to the university where we are inundated with culture. We have access to phenomenal art museums, phenomenal shows, whether it's the Sooner Theater or the OU Theater, or even up in Oklahoma City at at the Civic Center, we can get remarkable arts and culture housed within this really warm community where you feel like a person and not a number. And that is something that not only do I want for myself and my family, but for for my kids as they grow older, I want them to be known for who they are, not just a a body, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, you made a comment there that uh, people may know your husband, and, I, and I, he's such a he's such a homebody and introvert. I can't imagine that anybody <laughs> has has heard of Corey McMahon, but uh, but maybe maybe they have. Uh, you're, you're manager of marketing and member relations at OEC. I would have to imagine that this pandemic has completely changed your day to day, not just from an operational point of view, having to work from home, um, but also from the standpoint of the issues you're having to address and deal with. So I guess talk about uh, some of that, like what would you normally be doing uh, on a day-to-day basis and, and what what new challenges have come up and issues that you're dealing with that you could have never prepared for? Great question. And I do need to give a shout out to the leadership at OEC because I will say, I think as prepared as anybody could be for this, we have been remarkably prepared. You know, we started having these conversations in February and March. What could this look like? If this happens, then what? So I'm really, really proud of the response under the leadership of our CEO, Patrick Grace, that we have had. So of course, we are working remotely. And that has been both a challenge and a blessing, as I think for so many, because we're learning new technology, we're finding new ways to engage with each other as colleagues and with our members. One of the things that makes me so proud to be at OEC is early, early on, we said, in light of this pandemic, we will not assess late fees. We will not disconnect people who are unable to pay because we are a member-owned cooperative. That is something we can do, something that is equally exciting and that we will be rolling out very soon. As a cooperative, we distribute what are called capital credits. So essentially, those are our profits or our margins. And because we don't have shareholders, we have members. We 
distribute those profits back to our membership. Well, our board of trustees, who's a remarkable group of people, has said, what can we do to help people right now? And we are distributing those capital credits early this year to just in some small way help and bridge that gap. So I think we're talking a lot about how can we help? How can we be one of those people who steps in on an individual basis? We send out, I think, almost a weekly email updating our employees. We have about 160 employees between OEC and OEC Fiber, updating them on ways they can help in our communities. So what nonprofits need not just monetary donations, but can they help run meals for Meals on Wheels? Or can they, if they have an expertise in IT, can they help with a local nonprofit who's trying to figure out how do they allow employees to work remotely? Or how can they provide, like the Virtue Center, how can they provide remote counseling services? So I think that has been probably our biggest change is not just physically being separate, but how do we really live up to our goals and be a great community partner. And that has been what has made me so proud is that we've had an opportunity to talk about how can we actively be involved in doing what we can do, right? I mean, I guess that's all we can really do as people right now is help in any way we can. That's amazing. And uh, such a, uh, I love hearing that, such a great organization. I, I've been so impressed with, uh, you know, nationwide, the, the, the things people are doing, the individuals and, and, the, and the companies that are, that are I, because this is affecting everyone. It's not one region of the country. It's not Absolutely. one industry. I mean, everybody's reaching out and saying, hey, we get it and we're going to help right. we're going to do what we can we're going to cut you know your fees we're going to not cut things it just it's just it, it's heartwarming it's encouraging and it's one of those one of the many things that, that make you realize okay we're going to get through this we're going to be okay um because people are so willing to uh, uh do what they can i guess to uh, to make it easier on those around them and and, and just speaks to the um the integrity of OEC and and the and the people of, of Norman uh, to have a you know uh, something like that um, an organization like that doing doing the things they're doing and so kudos to you and OEC and thank you for being a part of that um, for for the Norman community. Well, thank you, and and it's one of the things again that always makes me proud to be in Norman is I think we do a remarkable job in Norman of helping the least among us. I think there is such a laser focus of the businesses and the people in every realm on how do we help. And I think that's why our nonprofit sector is so strong. Yeah, absolutely. So your father uh, owns an architectural firm in Norman. Uh, you've been in Norman for your entire life, uh, aside from a, a, a stint in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> you, you and your husband recently sold your marketing firm, which you we founded and, and grew in Norman. You own commercial real estate in Norman. Uh, and I'm sure you know hundred, at least a hundred business owners and merchants here. Uh, talk about what you're hearing from them and the challenges uh, they're facing and how they're getting through it. It is, challenge is the right word. I think, you know, my dad was actually over here last night and we were talking about what does his marketing look like and, and how can they, again, be one of the helpers Dad has always had, uh, my dad is Mark Crittenbrink, and he has always had such a heart for service to others. One of the things that I think we will see is the businesses that are able to respond creatively are the ones that will be around. There is no question we will be in for a long winter, I think, when it comes to the economic crisis and the economic impacts of this. 
and it will be the responsibility of business owners to respond in two ways. I think making sure that they educate their consumers on what services they're providing and how they can help. So does that mean that they can offer their service at a reduced rate? Does that mean that they can allow you to pay out your bill over a longer amount of time? Does that mean, you know, what we've seen in restaurants is some of these restaurants have completely pivoted. So they're not doing in-person meals, but they are packaging the food that they have so you can cook at your house because there was a a lack of food available there for a while at the store. So I think you're seeing people who are so creatively problem solving, and I think that will be critical. And then I think understanding how business looks different. So not only are we working remotely, but what uh, parts of the government assistance can you take advantage of? And how do you make sure that your employees have enough to do? And, you know, how do you take care of your kids if they're not (laughs) in school? And so that I think will be the true challenge of all businesses right now is how do you redefine this and how do you allow this to sharpen you and make you a little bit more competitive and, and just hold on until we can find a light at the end of the tunnel. You mentioned kids and kids being at home, and I want to switch gears a bit now and and talk about children, talk about something that's very close to both of our hearts. You serve on the board for the Mary Abbott Children's House as the board president, have been on the staff there, and have been on the board for years. Uh, So so you know the ins and outs of that, uh, and I've dedicated a lot of your your time um, to serving uh, the children of Cleveland County uh, in that way. For those that don't know, talk about the Mary Abbott Children's House uh, mission and what exactly they do to serve children in the community. It is one of the things in my life that I am the most passionate about, and I will tell you that right now it is the thing that keeps me up at night. So the Mary Abbott Children's House works with child victims of abuse and neglect, and most often those cases are of sexual abuse. In the beginning, we thought this won't be that long. Should we suspend interviews? So what happens if you, if you are a child who has been abused, you come to the Mary Abbott children's house and it is just a remarkable place. I didn't fully comprehend how powerful it was until I had children of my own. But when you walk up to the Mary Abbott children's house, it is this gorgeous Victorian home in the middle of downtown Norman which matters because it doesn't look scary. You know, mm-hmm. the minute we pull into the parking lot of my kid's doctor's office, even though they love their doctor, <laughs> they get scared because yeah. you get shocked at the doctor's office and it, it is scary. Well, this is not that. So you walk in and it's safe and it looks like your grandmother's house if she had a remarkably beautiful <laughs> historic home. And you're greeted by people who all day, every day handle child abuse. And so whereas when you say these things, especially if it's sexual abuse, it is jarring to most adults and it is scary. And so we react Mm -hmm. and that makes you think that something is wrong. If you're the kiddo, Mm -hmm. well, what happens here is you're greeted at the door by someone who understands they put you at ease. They put your parents at ease. They let you play and just be normal for a little bit. You go back and you get a forensic interview or interview with someone who is trained to do that. So you, they are not scared or shocked by anything you're saying, no matter how scary it is. And while they are doing this specialized interview with you, it is being recorded and observed. 
by people in law enforcement, by child welfare services, by anybody, by the DA's office, anybody who might ultimately need to get involved in that case. You tell your story. You never have to tell it again because it's been recorded. So if, you, if it were to go to court or anything, you could show that recording. And then you get a medical exam all in the same place. So even if that medical exam isn't to find any evidence of abuse, it might just be to say, you know what, this terrible thing happened to you, but you're okay. Your body is perfect. You have nothing to worry about. And the calm that that can give a child and a family is more important than I think we could ever put a price on. And then even further than that, we follow up with that family to make sure that the child is getting counseling services, that the family is getting counseling services. And then we coordinate the multidisciplinary team, which is a bunch of people talking about this case until, until it's better. Um, what we know in normal circumstances is that after Christmas break and after summer break, the number of child abuse cases reported skyrocket because they have been home with families. They have been in an environment that might be stressful. And then they go to school typically where teachers notice something and they report it. The scariest part for me of this pandemic is that you will see a huge divide between the children who have and the children that don't. Mm -hmm. My concern is that there are children who are, whose parents are in incredibly stressful situations who maybe have lost their job, that abuse can happen, but there is no one that they can report that to. There is no outside source that makes them safe. I think we will see a huge skyrocket in the reporting of child abuse, and it devastates me. Right. Talk about, I know that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, industries and businesses are, are working from home or, or completely shut down and, and the, the Abbott House simply can't do that during this time because of all the reasons you just right. said. Uh, is, is the Abbott House continuing to you know, stay open? And basically the, the, the members or the, the staff there putting their lives um, um, at risk in order, you know, uh, in order to continue Absolutely. to, yeah. You know, talk about that a little bit. What, what Absolutely. Doing. And they are, I mean, when we talk about people being on the front lines, it's so accurate with this staff. They are every day in allowing children and families that they don't know around them. We are now wearing some protective gear. So our staff members are wearing gloves and, and masks. We delayed that as long as we could just to put the families at ease, but it right. has become essential now. And we actually also give, the families and the children masks to wear if they come in without them. But quite frankly, we are business as usual in so many ways. So children are still getting interviews. We're still referring services because it became clear very quickly that this is an essential service and that if we are not there and if the Mary Abbott Children's House is not there to step in and meet those needs, children will be harmed. And that's just unacceptable. And I have never, I am always proud of the work that happens in the Mary Abbott Children's House, but it seems even just a little extra remarkable right now. Uh, so I, obviously that right now is, is a period of time where people are hurting uh, financially. Um, and, and when, when the, those things happen, we have, we have less money to, 
to buy what we want, but we have less money to to donate to the causes we care about. Mm-hmm. And and as much as uh, first, I guess, how much does uh, the Abbott House rely on those private donations? You know, just like any nonprofit, we need them. Mm-hmm. So there, and and right now, because we are expecting not just increased cases right now, but increased cases when children do go back to schools, we are gearing up for even more mm-hmm. cases than we've seen. We anticipate that going forward, our numbers will dramatically increase. And so we need funding, quite frankly, more than ever before. You can learn a lot more about Abbott House if you go to Abbott-House, and Abbott is A-B-B-O-T-T hyphen house.org. And you can donate there. You can also learn a lot more about the services that they offer what I think we have the opportunity to do here, so your question about do they need private donations, you know, we're not eating out <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, although you might occasionally do curbside pickup or you might occasionally go get a coffee shop, I suspect nobody is doing it at the level we were prior to this. Sure. And that offers an opportunity for some savings. And I think even if it is $25 one time, you can't underestimate the impact that that can have in the life of a child. And what I firmly believe is that if we fix it when they're kiddos, we just fix it, Mm -hmm. right? They are better. The community is better. So it is quite frankly, it's self-serving for us to support these nonprofits because they are making our future stronger for everybody, not just this individual kid, but everybody who will come in contact with them for the rest of their lives. Well, the Abbott House is, is certainly one of the things that, that um, makes me proud to be a part of the Norman community. What they do for the children of, of Norman and Cleveland County is, is phenomenal. And what you do uh, you know, as, as president of the board of directors, we, you, we, we, you know, on behalf of Norman, uh, thank you uh, for, for what you're doing. Um, and thank you for sharing that about how people can donate. You're right. We all, though, um, I know personally, I, I, I probably was spending a ridiculous sum of money eating out, uh, and, uh, and 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 though I'm spending more on groceries than I think I ever have, I, I, I know that I have some spare funds. So I encourage all of our listeners that if uh, you know, even if it's just a few bucks, if you can donate uh, to to the Abbott House at, at as you mentioned, Abbott-House.org, uh, please do so. Uh, changing gears again, Autumn, uh, talking about you uh, more personally in your personal life. But uh, so when all this is said and done, and we, we take so many things for granted. And this is a question I ask everybody. And you've listened to the podcast. You know what's coming. Um, we right. take so many things for granted in life. Uh, what, and it's typically those little things that we're missing so much right now. When this is all said and done, what will you never take for granted again? That is one of my favorite questions, and it is hugging my friends. (laughs) That sounds so simple, but the ability to be in person with the people that we love that are outside our immediate families and be able to touch them, that sounds so simple, but that is what I miss more than anything, to be across the table from somebody uh, or to just casually run into somebody on the street and give them a hug. That is what I am most excited to return to. I, I'm, you know what? I, I'm not a huge hugger, but I feel like when this is <laughs> over, I'm going to be the biggest hugger ever <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I'm just going to be running around hugging everybody. So if you see a, a crazy ball guy running around Norman hugging random people, that's uh, that's me. 
Um, I love it. <laughs> so, um, so the, another question I love just because I, I love you know eating is my favorite pastime. I, I say uh, you know, when 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 you when this is over and you can finally go out and, and sit in an actual restaurant across from actual people within six feet of, of people right, and you've already hugged right right that you've already <laughs> hugged everybody in the restaurant. <laughs> what restaurant is that going to be at? Where where are you going to go and what are you going to get? So I have two very specific answers. Very First good. and foremost is uh, Midway Deli, and I will get their BLT on wheat bread with avocado. It is my favorite. It has been one of my favorites since I was a little kid, uh, and it is within walking distance, which feels extra cool right now, mm-hmm. so we can walk past it, mm-hmm. and I can't have it. <laughs> and the other thing I will have, also actually within walking distance from us, is a an old-fashioned from scratch. Oh. They have some of the best cocktails I have ever had in my life. And so those are, those are two very specific items that, that I'm looking forward to. I'm with you. I, b- both of those are top of my list. A, a whiskey sour from scratch. You, I, I, I can't um, imagine a, a better whiskey sour in the entire world. Uh, those are phenomenal. And uh, Midway is, I, I eat there typically in a normal situation uh, way too many times a week. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> I, get, I, got, I got Midway Bob well, you uh, can lined up too. to be on, yeah. the, on the show uh, in, next week, I believe. So uh, we'll have Midway Norman Bob Thompson. Norman at its finest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't, you, Midway there, Bob Thompson was one of our first Norman friends when, when we, my parents moved up oh, back nice. here. Nice, yeah. Great so guy. And we've got... Uh, he, Lots of dirt on me, I'm sure. <laughs> Midway Midway Deli, if you, to my listeners, if you haven't been there, you got to go. Uh, it is a Norman institution. Uh, okay, so you, you and you and Corey and and uh, the kids there at home, I'm sure doing a lot of streaming, catching up on television shows. What have you been catching up on? Mm-hmm. What's what's jumping out as one of your favorites? So you mentioned my kids. So I I will just full disclaimer that about. 98% of anything that is on the screen is kid related. Yeah. So we did watch uh, the Trolls World Tour. Oh, if nice. you haven't seen that, that was fantastic. The music is great. Oh, good. It is fascinating because the music is from our childhood, right? Like they clearly knew their target market. So most of the music is from the 80s. Funny. Um, and then, of course, and this makes me so basic, but we have watched Tiger King because it is. <laughs> This remarkable just train wreck that you can't turn away from. That is a hundred percent right. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I do an, another another podcast, a sports podcast, and so I'm talking to a lot of people around the country, and they're all just giving me the hardest time about you know my friend down the road, Joe Exotic, because you know they assume you know <laughs> if you live in Oklahoma, then then Joe Exotic is your best friend. Uh, so I have pointed out to them though uh, the only the only uh, university you see Joe Exotic supporting is the University of Texas uh, in the show. Uh, he he wears his Longhorn. Hat, oh, that so. makes sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on brand. There you go. <laughs> so uh, one, <laughs> one last, uh, a couple last questions. Um, tell me uh, a, a group or an individual that you would like to give a shout out to for going above and beyond during this time. I mean, in addition to all of our healthcare workers, right now, I think we got to talk about everyone in the nonprofit sector who is finding a way to serve populations that are at the highest risk, you know, uh, and, and people who are reinventing themselves. One of the nonprofits that I think has been 
such an exciting example of this is there's a local nonprofit called Engage Learning, which typically specializes in STEAM education. So science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Usually they're in the classroom with the kids. They are makers, meaning they create, come up with creative solutions to make new products. Well, what they have been doing right now is making protective PPE gear for uh, frontline emergency responders. So they are delivering, I think they've delivered basically all over the state now. They've used non-traditional manufacturing channels so it wasn't clogged up. What an incredible way to rise to the challenge and and meet a new need. They have the unique skill set to do it. Uh, And I think... I know I'm giving a lot of people a shout out and no, I think please. our teachers Yeah. because what a time to be a teacher. <laughs> you know, you become a teacher because you want to, you want to change lives. And I think uh, that has to be an extra level of stress right now because they don't have the same interaction and, and they're coming up with whole new lesson plans. So I think there are so many heroes among us right now. Absolutely. Uh, those are good ones. Thank you for, for pointing out the, 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 um, the, the adaptations that, uh, some, some organizations are making to, to serve, uh, even, even greater than they normally would during this time. Both of those groups, uh, are awesome. Um, last thing, uh, and, and maybe, and maybe, um, maybe this, this answer is similar to one of your previous, because they're all kind of in the line of, of gratitude and not taking people or things for granted. But, uh, I always want to end on a positive note. I'm going to ask you this question when there's so much worry and concern right now and opportunities be negative. Tell me one thing that you're extremely thankful for right now. So before I can answer this, I have to officially recognize how much privilege is about to go into this answer because <laughs> we have, have uh, been privileged to have jobs, which is not, not a privilege everyone has right now. And everybody is healthy, which is not a privilege everybody has right now. But for me, I have really enjoyed the simplicity of our life. Yeah. You know, we are busy because we've got tiny humans at home, but we get up, we do work. We're not in the car. We're not going to activities. We're not going to events. We are just able to enjoy each other. And that is a gift that I hope we don't forget when the world starts turning again. We've had a lot of conversations around here, my wife and I, about you know, you, you do look for silver linings, and, and though you don't want people to have to get ill uh, in order for in order for things like this uh, to happen, um, it, the silver lining, uh, hopefully, are there are many uh, that we can look back on and say, yeah, that that was terrible, but it did allow us a, an opportunity to reset. You know, um, just just to. Uh, you spend time Amen. with your families and, 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 and realize the things that <clears throat> we are thankful for and we're taking for granted. So I, I think that will happen. Mm-hmm. I think that is happening. And, uh, yeah, you pointed, pointed that out for sure. Autumn, thanks so much for, for being a part of the show today. I would like to extend an invitation for you to share, um, how people can contact you. If you're a, if you're a social media person or an email address or, or plug OEC, whatever you want to do as far as uh, allowing people to, to reach out to you, contact you, so on and so forth. Absolutely. I'm, I am a social media person, specifically Instagram and Facebook. 
And I've come up with a really clever handle of Autumn McMahon <laughs> that on is good. both of those. That's good. Uh huh. It's it's simple and to the point. And uh, you know, thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It is again, it's a privilege to have people like you in this community who are so community focused, who give of their time. I mean, you you serve on the Mary Abbott Children's House Board with me, and you're actively involved in the community, and it's so such a gift to see all of the helpers, right? There's that great quote, and I don't remember who said it, but in times of crisis, we look for the helpers. And I think that has been the thing that makes me so proud, specifically of Norman in this time, is there are so many people lining up to help. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Um, we all have a skill, uh, and we just got to figure out how we can take that skill and put it to use to, to help out. And um, And so... You know, you're 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 doing your part, and I'm trying to do mine. And I think everybody, it's, again, what we love about Norman is that everybody seems to be uh, figuring out what they can do to help out in this challenging uh, time. Normanites, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the I Am Norman podcast. If you would like to follow us, you can do so on Instagram or Twitter at I Am Norman Pod. Uh, and again, I will remind you to to share us on your social media feeds, uh, rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts and follow us on spotify or wherever you get your podcast autumn one more time thanks again for being a part of the show thank you it was a privilege all right stay tuned for many more episodes to come walk with me Susie lee through the park and by the tree we will rest upon the ground the i am norman podcast is brought to you by the hall at the railhouse Norman's premier event space and the heart of downtown. When all of this is said and done and life gets back to normal, the one thing we'll all be looking to do is celebrate with our friends and families. Weddings, receptions, corporate events, luncheons, banquets, proms, parties, and more. If you're looking for a place to celebrate life, we hope you'll choose the Hall at the Railhouse. For more information, please visit therailhousenorman.com or call 405-778-00. Zero three. I Am Norman is sponsored in part by Old Hat Creative. Old Hat is a strategic marketing and branding firm located right here in downtown Norman. From websites, corporate identity, graphic design, video production, and more, Old Hat can help any organization achieve their marketing goals. For more information, visit oldhatcreative.com or email info at oldhatcreative.com.